0: Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary End Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 15th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8pm on community radio station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a podcast of a recorded interview done per Zoom by Ian Salick, with Tilak Disanaika, currently president elect of the Rotary Club of Hawthorne in Rotary District 9800. Tilak will officially assume the role as president of that club from July the 1st, 2020. This interview was first played by Jonathan Shepard on his show on the 5th of June, 2020. You're listening to 94.1 FM 3WBC, the voice of the Inner East, and this is the Rotary and Community Service radio show. I'm Ian Salick. This radio show is here right through until eight o'clock tonight. And this evening, listeners, it's a great pleasure to introduce, per means of Zoom, a most interesting guest, the President-elect of the Rotary Club of Hawthorne, Dr. Telak Dissenaika. Tillak on June the 17th will have been a member of Rotary for six years and on July the 1st he will officially assume the role of president of the respected Rotary Club of Hawthorne that was chartered listeners some 66 years ago. Besides his busy Rotary life, Tilak has a lot to talk about uh, with his medical career in various roles locally in rural New South Wales plus his senior surgical and lecturing work. Tillak Disunayake, a very warm welcome to 94.1 FM 3WBC.
1: Thank you, and having me in your radio program.
0: It's great to have you here, albeit all by Zoom. I love to have people in the studio or opposite me on the table, but I can see your smiling face. And, uh, and I must say, listeners, Tillak is wearing a tie today, and I'm looking a bit casual, so he's got one up on me. All right, Telak, before we talk about Rotary, let's talk about you. Where were you born?
1: Uh, I was born in uh, Sri Lanka, northwest of Sri Lanka, and uh, a significant amount of time I spent in Colombo as well.
0: And was yours a large family?
1: Uh, uh, I have five other siblings. Uh, right. my Yes, yeah, it's, it's a big family. And my parents and my father was a retired Uh, school principal, and also he was a political activist and a landowner, Uh, and mother was a a teacher as well. They both were very community-minded and respected in their own communities. My nuclear family uh, is, uh, I'm married to a a country accountant, Donna Parkins from Northwest New South Wales. She was from Maji, and I have three children, Hamish, Romy, and Maya.
0: Fantastic. You're married to a country girl, Donna, uh, from Mudgee. That's a very interesting uh, uh, link.
1: Uh, Absolutely. I went uh, as a single man with my cocker spaniel, a golden cocker spaniel dog, and I came with four people back to Melbourne. Uh, what I call uh, what, my home.
0: Uh, fantastic. Now, Tilak, you're a doctor, as we know. Why did you want to become a doctor? And uh, was this your first choice after you finished your secondary education? And I ask this because I saw the other evening, a fascinating interview recently by Barry Cassidy with Dr. Norman Swan, who, as you would know, has been in the news a lot lately with this COVID uh, problem. And he actually was keen on being an actor. He auditioned to become an actor. But what motivated you to become a doctor?
1: Uh, Ian, um, uh, probably I'm not that smart as uh, uh, Norman Swan. I know Norman Norman Swan. Um, uh, And um, no, I always wanted to be a doctor uh, simply because I wanted to help people. And even I remember when I was a child, my my father's friends used to say, I think you'll make a good doctor. And uh, basically I had a very much scientific mind and I have a compassionate and artistic heart. So uh, that combined... Uh, it's a form of art, delivering it to people.
0: It's a very powerful com- combination and it underlines a very simple philosophy that is good bedside manner with that combo I like the idea of that and where did you do your tertiary study did you do it in Sri Lanka or did you do it here
1: I was uh, I, I did my tertiary education at Monash University ah, and I right. was trained uh, at the Alfred Hospital I did all my training through the Alfred and I'm I'm also alumni of the Alfred Residence Association
0: uh, wonderful absolutely wonderful a, a, an iconic hospital in Melbourne a very old hospital I know it very well and my family knows it very well and after you graduate, what was your first role in medicine? What was it at the Alfred or did you, uh, you know, where did you go when you graduated from Monash? Uh,
1: when I graduated from uh, from Monash, I, I worked 12 months at PANCH, which is the old oh, uh, yes. Preston and Northwood Community Hospital, which gave me a lot of uh, hands-on experience. And I came back to my old grounds, which was the Alfred, uh, and continued through the Alfred uh, for about four or five years. And then I had... Uh, one year as a vascular surgical registrar at Austin Hospital. That was uh, a
0: very wide experience. Just just going back to Panch, another iconic Melbourne hospital, what sort of work did you do at, at Panch? Was it a variety of work? Did you do emergency start there and then go through yeah. and specialise? Or what did you do?
1: I think in your typical internship, you did uh, uh, 3 months blocks of each, which I was privileged to go to Bendigo for three months to do surgery. So I did, uh, uh, I think... Uh, Medicine for three months and emergency for three months and various other things, anesthetics and all that uh, for twelve months before coming back to my oh, home ground.
0: And that's the Alfred that was your home ground. What did you do? And what did you do there? What did you?
1: Well, I was uh, recruited into the surgical stream and I did quite a lot of extensive amount of surgical rotations, including intensive care, cardiothoracics. Uh, I was a registrar for facial uh, maxillary surgery. Plastic surgery, uh, and then the other general surgery. Um, I was I had uh, six months placement in Burnie, northwest uh, of Tasmania. We used to get sent there for practical experience, and uh, I did three months general surgical and three months of orthopedic surgery at in Burnie, uh, which was I did probably about twenty appendectomies there uh, in my own. That was. Uh, uh, that, those were the days. To, um, you got hands-on work.
0: Talk about hands-on. Your wealth of experience, not only in different disciplines within medicine, but in locations. How many know, places did you travel to, and all Have you counted up I, how many places you went to?
1: Oh, uh, you name it. I have worked in every, nearly every hospital. Marunda, in private hospital like Epworth Cabrini, uh, assisting my bosses uh, in surgery, and um, and certainly. I did quite a lot of work at Austin as a vascular registrar. I was on call nearly every day, and uh, I remember there was a time uh, we started with my boss. Uh, he said three o'clock we got a transplant to do, so we went. Uh, we received a kidney, and then we started at three thirty and went to do a uh, one kidney transplant. Then we had two ruptured aortic aneurysms to do, and in between we had a. We had to be part of the uh, liver transplant team. Uh, so I finished around seven o'clock in the morning next day.
0: What an amazing effort. And talk about different forms of surgery with uh, the experience that you'd have doing that. And I know after that, from reading your bio, that you then went as a very qualified and experienced doctor to rural New South Wales.
1: This is actually, um, I when I was doing Uh, surgical training I you know pretty much full on and and really exhausting being particularly vascular surgery at that level and um, I thought I'll take a bit of break and uh, then I got told you know look if you don't want to do surgery do anything else emergency medicine or or anesthetics but no I thought I want to take a break I want to travel around Uh, by that time I have not traveled around Australia so I rang up a friend of mine I said look, I like to do a bit of explore Australia-wide and can you give me a loc- get me a locum? So my friend Bernie from Richmond, she said, well, we can send you to rural New South Wales. I said, yeah, very good. So I end up in doing a locum to this town called north uh, northwest of New South Wales. Whereabouts um, from at- Sydney
0: is it? Uh, how far out of uh,
1: Sydney? Uh, it's about four, four, four and a half and a half hours northwest of Sydney. Yes. So I was there and I went there, I got picked up from the airport and um, and off you go and... First day I saw this man who had a circular saw injury to his hand cut is one of the nerves. My God. And so I told him, look, uh, I'm just coming from very high tech hospital. And I said, look, you've got a nerve cut. I don't think you'll be able to get, get it fixed here or double. You need to go to Sydney. He said, no doc, I don't want, uh, I don't want to go to Sydney. All I want to hold a beer mark. So, <laughs> so, so I stitched up and I, I became a little bit of a hero. I connected with the community, and and I just I just applied. There was a vacancy for this hospital for a long time, 21 bed hospital, and uh, and I just I just thought I'll just apply. that. and I got I got I got an interview, and I got into got appointed as a visiting medical officer to the hospital and the, as a country doctor.
0: Well, I can un- I can understand that. You would have been like the messiah coming to a oh. New South Wales country town, I would have thought. With all your experience, uh, I would imagine that they would have never had anybody with the qualifications and the experience that you'd obviously had. You must have been just a wonderful asset to that town. What is rural health like in, in New South Wales? Not only with the, the general population, but what about facilities generally? I realise for that sort of injury that you described they wouldn't have had all the equipment. But generally, what is the standard of medical care like? Doctor, are there enough doctors? Is there enough equipment? What What is the standard?
1: Well, Ian, you know, until you dig into the real world, uh, sometimes you, you're living in a, uh, a, a bubble. And when I uh, when I step in and uh, I sort of had to this, I used to live in South Tara. I had to go into this isolation. Uh, I had a sports car. I had Alpha Spider sports car. So I had to buy myself, I had to sell that. I hit a couple of kangaroos and I had to sell that and get a, co- a <laughs> Commodore with a, Holden Commodore with a kangaroo bar. <laughs>
0: and, Very
1: different and, and That was a story itself. And uh, and uh, there were a lot of challenges i found. Uh, there was a lot of social isolation, professional isolation, service challenges. So all of that um, and uh, that really led me to uh, join a group called Rural Doctors Association of New South Wales, and uh, and suddenly, uh, quickly, I uh, step up into the executive committee. I became the vice president, and then become a president. And then I got invited into the AMA executive committee, which was a very hard thing to uh, get into from. Victorian, as a Victorian in New South Wales, uh, they call you uh, uh, Mexican, and um, you know, <laughs> well, I don't know what they call area. me. In-
0: I thought <laughs> Queenslanders called Victorians Mexican, but they're doing <laughs> it in rural New South they, Wales. They? <laughs> they,
1: they did, they did, and uh, and so anyway, I um, I suddenly, I I got, become political. So it's almost I found my niche market. I always had this idea of standing up for something so i stood up for rural health and and Good i had you. the platform to work and improve the rural new south wales and the rural australia's health through those organizations and also i i got uh, elected in 2008 as a counselor to uh shire third highest votes.
0: Well done. Now, what what were you really plugging for? Uh, Did you get, and I don't want to get political because as you know, we're apolitical in Rotary, but were you able to persuade the government minister to uh, give you some largess in your rural area. Did you get? Did you have a recruitment drive for added doctors? Uh, did you get more equipment? Were you able to lobby for that effectively? Uh, Ian,
1: I was a I was a favourite of the Fairfax media. They had a they had a they kept sent a photographer, and I actually own a farm, and they took photos, and they were. Using me like their marketing tool, in fact, to promote rural health. And uh, that sort of found a platform to work on. We certainly, through the Rural Doctors Association, we used to give a breakfast, annual breakfast in Canberra Federal Parliament, which I was part of. I used to sit with pe- people like Bob Catter. He became a very good friend uh, eventually, very interesting character. And uh, Maxine McHugh. So we had all the politicians uh, of both parties wanted to listen to us and our stories. And they thought it was good ground. Here is a man who who was highly trained in Melbourne, who should have had a wonderful life. He's come into a single doctor town, mind you, rural doctor town. My town was single doctor town, 24 hours on call every day. 10 years I spent yes, there. Yes. And well, uh,
0: I, And you, you were, and I don't want to be demeaning by saying this, it sounds like you were the poster boy for rural was, doctors, were you?
1: I was. I was. I carried that. We got a lot of work done. We got a lot of funding. I was instrumental in. In what is called rural journalism, which means uh, uh, training doctors, procedural doctors for the rural needs. Uh, I told Gillian Skinner uh, when she came in into power with the Liberal Party, I said, Gillian, do not come to our AGM a- 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 without and without recognising uh, rural journalism in New South Wales. And I told her that on Wednesday, Friday, she came to our conference, announced fourteen million dollars for New South Wales. Uh, doctor training
0: Uh, what a what a superb effort you're obviously very effective i did want to ask you something about your time that you hadn't mentioned what about the status of mental health uh, especially with farmers and the uh, problems that they would have been experiencing with drought and 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 floods i mean new south wales has had the whole gamut uh, what we w- did you find? A lot of mental health issues with uh, farmers, and 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 you hear about dreadful things like suicides and mental health issues and family. W- w- was that a, a a major issue in your practice in Kula?
1: Absolutely, Ian. I um, uh, these are the one of things you know. The the psych services, psychiatric services in rural areas are very poor, and and certainly uh, when I went there, there was a severe drought. Uh, therefore, I decided not to charge anybody, bulk bill every patient, respective. So I was a very fair person, whether it be a mayor of the town, whether it be an ordinary person off the street. I treated everybody equally, bulk billing, and I did my best. I have escorted patients by myself. Sometimes I go at night, uh, we, we hit a kangaroo or wombat, you know, in the ambulance and there have been times we had to certify a patient uh, personally uh, take the patient in the ambulance with you so I have done many of those actors. I've saved so many lives uh, I remember I used to um, uh, people having heart attacks and I used to thrombolyze them uh, and I I uh, escort them to the nearest hospital is double it's about two hours away uh, it was a very daunting experience in your own and, yes, and, yes, and you make I a mistake imagine. yeah you make a mistake you might be in the headline
0: Yes, of course. Was there any form of hospital in Kula or was the, the major regional hospital in Dubbo? Uh,
1: Kula had a 21-bed hospital with uh, uh, five or six uh, emergency beds with a one High dependency bed.
0: Right, any X-ray equipment, and
1: it was there. Was that the was a of... very, very interesting part. There was a very old X-ray machine uh, no one could operate. That is the time I just used to get into uh, angry with the health service. I said, "Look, you sent me for some training, and and I can at least I can do my if I tube a patient, I can, I can, I can." check where the airways are, and I can do simple x-rays. But this is what really led me getting into the uh, Google Doctors movement there to uh, win something. I had to go into Garling inquiry. That was the inquiry into acute... Uh, deficiencies in acute care services in New South Wales by Garling Inquiry. I had to go to Garling Inquiry to get a blood test machine. And we had to fund to get a... Because so much of eye injuries, we did a we bought this slit lamp. Uh, I had to get the local baker to go around collecting money, send, selling hay bale to buy an eye machine.
0: It's the challenge of rural health and the funding for rural health. that still needs great impetus. And, of course, in this current environment, with the funding pressures that there are, I wouldn't think rural health would be getting... A Lot of sustenance right at this time, it would be even more difficult. Now, Tillak, I just want to move on because I read that you also had senior surgical and lecturing roles interspersed throughout your medical career. Can you tell our listeners what they have involved and uh, when did you find the time to do all this? Uh, amongst <laughs> your busy hands on medical work and fighting for rural health dollars?
1: Look, I started teaching my roles uh, back in Melbourne early days and I was an anatomy demonstrator for Melbourne University while I was doing surgery uh, for 12 months. I did a part-time teaching at Monash. And, and then certainly I've been uh, mentoring medical students, junior medical s- uh, staff uh, 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 while I was uh, uh, working in hospitals. But when I, um, when I was in rural New South Wales, I was a lecturer for Sydney University Medical School. And also um, uh, while I was there and I set, up, so set this practice in Camberwell, which is my medical centre where I am, working from Highfield Park Medical Centre. Uh, I bought this old house in 2007 and, and I renovated and, 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 and started up a, a state-of-art medical centre, even chairs I imported from the UK uh, to give, uh, give a, a good service to the community of Camberwell. And in fact, my medical centre is the only medical centre in Australia has got an underground uh, swimming pool.
0: Goodness gracious, an underground swimming pool. Is that how you get patients fit? And you test their, uh, uh, you test them after they've been through your hands? Is it not
1: really? And I think it's all drain water from the car park. But the council <laughs> council got me to uh, 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 instigate a plan to have a water draining system. So it cost me a time and money to do all that. But I'm very proud that I created a good medical centre. Now I have. I'm also in the uh, uh, part of this is. Um, I, I get medical students from Melbourne University. So I've got a senior lecturer position with the medical Melbourne University. And also I'm a GP supervisor and I'm in the board of uh, Victoria's Eastern Victoria's GP training board. Uh, but also I was invited into the medical board of Australia, uh, the Victorian board uh, from 2014 to 2018. So I, I've done all that uh, on top of that I was a Victorian director for Australian College of Rural Medicine as well.
0: Yes, that's your, that's your ob- obvious passion. What a, yes. what a breadth of activity you've been involved with. I did hear you say one thing that fascinated me. What does an anatomy demonstrator do? It sounds uh, a little bit uh, different. What what are you what are you demonstrating with anatomy? What well, you dem-
1: but demonstrate the cadavers, you know, so dissect oh. the Oh, cadavers you're doing that, sandwiches. right. Th- I th- understand. Yes, yes. Right, you're
0: yes. not having to do live uh, demonstrations, right? No, I no, don't have to. No,
1: I didn't have to talk
0: about it. No, Right. Well, look, Telak, we know a little bit more about you. Well, probably not enough because you had such a wide experience. Uh, you are a very broadly based medical man, seemingly in every involvement of medicine and in more places in Australia than I've been to for holidays. So, What I want to do is take a little break now, and when we come back, I'd like to find out about your Rotary journey, uh, which for the last six or so years you've been doing in parallel with your wonderful medical journey, and uh, we might listen to a little bit of your chosen music, so thank you. Welcome back. This is 94.1 FM 3WBC, the voice of the Inner East, and this is Ian Salick. We're talking with the President-elect of the Rotary Club of Hawthorne, Dr. Tilak Dissanayaka who officially assumes the role as president on July the 1st. Tillak, we've talked about your important role in medicine, which is very widely based, but I'd like to move on to your Rotary journey. You first joined Rotary in June 2014, because I have been looking up your records. And uh, I want to really know, and our listeners would like to know, what motivated you in the first place to join Rotary? And I often ask my guests this, had you done any volunteer work at school or after you left school, was there anything that sort of motivated you to become a a, a provider of service
1: uh, Yes Ian I have been um, involved with the uh, in the school i have been in, in various leaderships a cadet uh, and a prefect and then uh, in the communities and uh, predominantly what happened was the um, uh, when the tsunami struck in Sri Lanka way back in 2004, um, when I, when I was in Kula, and uh, and and I took straight away uh, uh, to Sri Lanka and took some a uh, lot of uh, medical equipments and and and, and financial assistance. Uh, I went my through the Rotary Club. I was a ro- the, uh, I, I was a Lions Club member in Kula. Uh, huh. And, and then, because that's the only organization we had in Kula.
0: Otherwise, and, you would have joined Rotary, undoubtedly.
1: Of course, uh, <laughs> looking back, uh, I certainly would. And what happened was when I came back after my quick trip to Sri Lanka, and my patients quietly had collected $10,000 in a week or two, pensioners put their money in, uh, people, anonymous people, put money in to collect without. Even telling me they collected all that money. And so I did a housing project, uh, a low shelter housing project for a tsunami affected fishermen uh, along the coast. And we built houses through a Rotary Club in, in Sri Lanka. And, and they, of course, gave me a service above uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the ward, self award. And, um, and I, was, uh, I had this uh, uh, thing about Rotary Club which was an amazing feel about it. I mean, when I was a child, when I was growing up, Lions Club was a big uh, organization. Uh, I almost thought it was only for elitists and um, to have parties and have, have dinners and what have you. <laughs> but uh, but certainly the um, uh, the what joined me, uh, uh, to the Rotary Club, was that what I saw, every dollar they collected, $10,000, went to the grassroots levels. And I took, a couple of people, friends of mine, who was a retired veterinary surgeon from Kula, Mark Powell and a couple of farmers who have never been to Sri Lanka before. And we, of course, got caught up in a typhoon and we got diverted to Manila when we were flying via Hong Kong. And we had amazing experience and they, had, could, they could not believe what, what was the place and the, and the, and the kids and we, had, we, were like, we were treated like uh, 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 the kings. And so that really had in my mind, but I always wanted to join a voluntary organisation since then. And uh, then then I, uh, uh, you know, happened to be, uh, you know, respected uh, Rotarian Noel Halford. He came and said, you should perhaps join the Rotary Club. And that's why you joined Hawthorne, because it was Noel's influence, was it? Uh, it was correct. But also I thought probably when you do this sort of work, better to keep away not having a conflict of interest around Camberwell. So I thought, given that sort of uh, initial link was made to Hawthorne and where I live in Hawthorne, and I thought, well, I'll join the club uh, of Hawthorne Rotary.
0: And they have benefited ever since by what you're saying. How many members does Hawthorne now have? I
1: think we have, uh, we have around 50 uh, members, and uh, I think uh, about four of them are uh, honorary members.
0: And is there a good mix of professions of men
1: uh, we have, uh,
0: men and women there? I mean, do you have a good mix? Is there a diverse
1: group? Very d- diverse group. We have, we have people from people who run antique shops, people who are marketing people, the people who are young people who are running their fashion labels. Uh, we have uh, media people, we have human resourceful people, we have doctors, we have surgeons, we have lawyers. Uh, we have very diverse group of people in our club.
0: And you might like to tell our listeners, Telak, what are the major projects that your club does, both locally and internationally?
1: Look, uh, Ian, we, uh, you know, I'm quite new to the club and probably there are so many Rotarians of Hawthorne Club has been working for years, 30, 40 years. This is a 66 years old club. And, and I, am, uh, I feel like I'm honoured to be in that club and, and I'm learning every day. Uh, and I think I have compared to them what they have done. I have done very, very little. Uh, and they have been involved in the community for a very long time, you know, the, from the tree planting in carp, the uh, parks in, 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 in the Borondara Council um, and, and certainly they do work with the schools. They have uh, recently, they have started Alfred um, uh, Care Packs for Mental Health Patients and uh, Borondara Community, Life, which is a big event in every Christmas time, about 250 disadvantaged people. Uh, that is one of the most inspiring Things that I come across humanitarian uh, I, when when I serve food, in my with my children, and I feel like you know, it just it's just mind-boggling how it's hands-on it
0: is. participation, isn't it? It's a I have very much. been there once and helped with that uh, Christmas lunch in Camberwell. Yes. and it is. A, it gives you a very warm feeling, doesn't
1: it? It does, and it's a very special time. People don't want to feel isolated or or, or not appreciate it and they get treated so well and they entertain and everyone is happy to the end of the day.
0: Now, what about internationally, Tilak?
1: So we we have uh, quite a lot of international projects uh, underway and certainly the um, we have uh, Cambodia medical projects that we are working on. Uh, uh, there's a Russian hospital. Uh, we were supposed to raise funds this year with the uh, a uh, big fundraising event um, because of the COVID-19 that has affected, but hopefully we can continue to provide that. And certainly we do uh, work with um, uh, the Philippines. There's a uh, uh, toilet project in Philippine, and we have been uh, planning to do more work. It with, we have been doing working with East Timor. Uh, there are uh, water supply and supporting children uh, over in East Timo, and we are certainly planning to do some projects in Sri Lanka. It's a big, pro- a big project. And also, um, I forgot to mention to you that, you know, we're also supporting the 100-year park project as yes, a local.
0: Yes, I'm very well aware of that, and you're doing that in collaboration, I know, with the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry. Uh, I'm certainly well aware of that, and, and in the cluster. I'm certainly aware of that. For the Yes, we're the all working that. together. Yes, which is a wonderful cause. There are a lot of difficulties, as you've just alluded to, because of this dreaded COVID-19, but what special aims do you have? Some of them may be difficult to fulfil, but what special aims do you have coming in to lead your club from July the 1st?
1: Uh, as you know, the uh, it's very important to any of those projects based on what we collect. Uh, I certainly, under my presidency, do not want to... Uh, extract every dollar out of our our, our members because um, the times are tough. But we want to certainly, uh, you know, extend our hands to the community and, and get community support. And these are very worthwhile uh, community projects that and the international project that we need to work around during uh, difficult times. And also, it's important, um, the community spirit. I think we are losing that ground in society, as you can see. Uh, and, and people are not, younger people are not involved. And, and certainly we want to see them get involved and we want to raise every dollar. We know that this is the best voluntary organization uh, in, the, in this century, the uh, Rotary Club, Rotary International and Rotary Clubs around the world. Uh, so we certainly, the, um, it, is, it is going to be difficult, but certainly we will try to raise every uh, dollar Uh, that we can to continue with our projects.
0: Telak, I always ask this question of our guests. At the end of the Rotary year, what would you like your members at Hawthorne to say about you as as President at the end of the year? What What would you really wish they would say about you in terms of the performance in your year?
1: Oh, Ian, yeah, I'm nobody in the Rotary Club, as you as you can imagine. My contribution, very, very, very little. But, however, these are very big shoes to fill in. But at the end of the year, I just want people to think that this guy did not fall. He did not topple over. That's what I want them to
0: <laughs> I'm sure you won't do that. Uh, you are far too important for that to happen and far too intelligent for that to happen. And... Uh, It's a great experience to be a president of a Rotary Club. A lot of people develop very, very strongly as they become further advanced in their presidential year, but you already have a great grounding in life. So I don't think it's going to be overly challenging for you, but what you can give back will be very eagerly looked upon. Now, tell me, if anybody out there in our audience, non-Rotarians, want to join the Rotary Club of Hawthorne, first, first of all, you better tell us where you meet. Uh, we usually, meet in... Usually, in non-COVID yes, times.
1: Yes, non-COVID times, we meet at the Kuyong Tennis Club every Tuesday at one o'clock for lunch meeting. Uh, that is 489 Glen Ferry Road, Kuyong. Uh, and then we also have another meetings uh, on every, once a month on third Wednesday at Grace Park Houghton Club, six Hilda Crescent Houghton. Uh So you can, uh, if you can uh, join both groups and you can, uh, we might have some plans in the future to do in different ways, you know, you can be Houghton friends, uh, I would urge the community, uh, we, it's a time has come we have to work as a community together to, to have a community spirit in our society and, and joining and supporting this wonderful organisation, Rotary.
0: Currently, the contact obviously uh, is through Zoom. We're not only talking on Zoom for this interview, but your club I know is meeting on Zoom, as are most other Rotary clubs at the moment if a listener out there now would like to join your club who do they contact uh, to maybe part of zoom uh, meetings maybe become part of zoom meetings or eventually when you open up if they're accepted into the club to go along to kuyong on a on a tuesday or or to grace park on a on, on a what day of the week is it just repeat that again grace uh
1: the on on Tuesday, every, every Tuesday, one o'clock at Kuyong yeah, Tennis Club.
0: And Grace Park?
1: On every third Wednesday. Third Wednesday. Okay, third Wednesday. fine. So, so who's the contact? Uh, you can contact, we've got a website uh, www.hawthornrotary.org.au.
0: Just say that again
1: Rotary sorry, hawthornrotary.org.au. Good, good, good. And you can go into the website and you can trace us, the president or secretary, uh, to contact us. Very easy to contact us. And uh, you can, you'll have our phone numbers. You can directly contact us.
0: Well, uh, Dr. Telak Desanayka, thank you so much for joining us on the Rotary Radio Show per this medium of Zoom. Congratulations on becoming the president-elect and for assuming the office from July the 1st in that very uh, esteemed Rotary Club of Hawthorne, 66 years old or young. Listeners, Tilak Dissenaika is another fine example in Rotary of a Rotarian putting service above self. Tilak,
1: thank you. Thank you, Ian. Good night.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was of an interview with Tilak Dissenaika. President-elect of the Rotary Club of Hawthorne by Ian Salick and was presented by Jonathan Shepherd, of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia during his show on the 5th of June 2020. More podcasts can be found on iTunes by typing into your browser Rotary Radio, Doing Good in Victoria or alternatively by going to the Rotary District 9800 website at www.rotarydistrict9800.org.au and clicking on Rotary Radio.